Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and bring uh, the unionizing baristas from Birmingham, Alabama, into the show. Um, and why don't y'all just go ahead and introduce yourselves? I'll go first. I'm Kyle McGuckin. I am a shift supervisor at the third and twentieth location. I've been there at the company for about six years. My pronouns are he they. My pronouns are she they. Um, I've been a barista at Starbucks for a little over a year, and uh, I don't have fancy technology, so it was probably easier to set up. So. <laughs> yeah, and your name was Tabitha? Yeah, that's gotcha. me. Gotcha. So, Kyle, Tabitha, I appreciate y'all's time, um, and uh, y'all are unionizing Starbucks baristas with, um, and you're, you're organizing with Starbucks Workers United. Can you talk to us about what, what was the, the catalyst for deciding to begin unionizing? Do you mind if I take that one, Tabitha? Awesome. Okay, so let's see. Well, when the New York Roastery won, and the, I think it was Knoxville, Tennessee, Location one, first one in the South. Mm. We have been eyeing basically the Workers United movement since COVID started and Buffalo really took up. We've been keeping an eye. We've been building our own little discussions about it, getting some semi-serious talks about it, but just, you know, solidifying it. And when we saw those two locations, one, we knew that we had a, you know, large audience meeting with some of the district people and had just... Heard some things going around the office as well as just um, so an increase and in some not so good interactions with customers that didn't really feel like they weighed out the very good uh, interactions with customers. And we decided, okay, hold on. Things are looking good. Let's write the letter and announce. So, you know, basically just increase in tension from two different ends and finally collapse all at once. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Tabitha, what about does that kind of uh, track with with how you uh, how you felt like the the campaign kind of started, and your interest in it? it uh, um, yeah. I mean, generally speaking, you know, as a company, you should want the best for the people that support you as the company. And when we kind of saw that people were able to do something as big as this, we thought, why not just do it as well? You know. Mm-hmm. How long have y'all been working for Starbucks? Uh, me, six years. Tabitha, how long have you been there? Um, a year as of April 27th. Nice. Wow. Yeah. That's a, so Happy y'all, anniversary. Y'all, y'all been there a pretty good, pretty good amount of time for, you know, service industry kind of work. Is that is that pretty normal at that location, or, or are y'all kind of some of the more senior, uh, senior employees? Starbucks prides itself on its retention, and we really do try to um, build a good store with good people. Um, be it, uh, you know, we do pride ourselves on our diversity and just our own little personal mission statement of just trying to get good vibes and good experiences and create authentic moments. So 
I want to say that on average, we've had partners who've been there at least two or three years. Um, we try not to lose people early because we try to have really awesome people to have really awesome days at work. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. So it sounds like even, you know, aside from the union campaign itself, y'all really try to build a solid community amongst each other as as colleagues. Um, and I'm thinking that probably has really helped and come in handy right about now. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I'm sure Tabitha would, you know, Tabitha, you would, uh, I'm sure you have some thoughts on that one as well. I've, <laughs> I know I've been there six years, but you're one of the ones who came in and is training all of the new people. So I would be mm. curious your thoughts on the community. Um, well, going back to the whole diversity thing, we do host a quite diverse population, you know, people coming from all backgrounds and gender affiliations. And, you know, being the person that gets to see people from the day they start till the day they, you know, basically succeed, which is like the best part of my job, you know, you get to be at the front of all that. Mm -hmm. And I see that as a privilege. And through that, I have met a lot of people. And this bond is formed, you know, first impressions do count. So that's why you do want to like, be who you are and be your best self. Um, Right. Yeah. To help in the future. Kyle, you said that you've been here, been at Starbucks for six years. Um, Why do you think it is that y'all haven't um, that that right now is the moment that everything that that the stars have just kind of started to align and we're going to, you know, Starbucks baristas, workers all across the country are saying we're going to do a union now as opposed to maybe six years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. Well, there, there, have, there have been, I think the IWW is actually one of the first, um, had some of the first attempts to get some Starbucks to unionize. And there are a couple of stores, maybe at least one I've heard of in Canada. But um, as far mm. as this big swell of movement, I guess we just have to be cliche and just say COVID did a number on all of us. Mm. Um, prices are going up. It's hard to keep things in stock. And to be perfectly fair to some of the customers who get very agitated, to be fair <laughs> to them, I don't think they all necessarily like, because they just don't have the experience we have as baristas and how to make beverages versus what they see online versus whatever their thoughts are. Mm-hmm. There just comes a point of contention there, just miscommunication versus an inability to help with people's needs, right? We're also, um, personally, I think we're all just extremely disconnected. Like, let's be real. Starbucks tried to tries to pride itself on having that third place environment where you can have a home away from home. And, you know, when I started six years ago, we used to do coffee tastings late at night when I was a closer. We would just take a break, get mm. some cool coffee and taste with customers. We knew them by name and we still know some by name. But now it's just become an overwhelming barrage of mobile orders and overwhelming mm. just line through the drive through. And, you know, we're, we're kind of missing a little bit of that. I don't know if um, it's just something that's kind of edged away in all of us, even my own store manager, like we all feel this just 
something just isn't the same, something isn't right. And I'm sure as far as the customer base goes to that level of disconnect, that level of feeling alone in this kind of like weird postmodern sense that we're in is causing just people to lash out, to just mm-hmm. not have the, uh, to just, something's wrong with my coffee, I gotta lash out, you know what I mean? Right. So it's just anger. It's a very, very angry time when it didn't have to be and it wasn't you know mm-hmm. right right what you, why do you think it is that that starbucks has um responded to this moment in the way that it has um before the campaign you know there there were complaints from baristas like you're talking about um you know complaints about uh, the culture of the company being different about treatment by management. You know, this is stuff that, that the company could have theoretically addressed and potentially even nipped a, cam- a union campaign in the bud, uh, but they haven't. And then as the union came, uh, campaign has kicked off, they have responded with, you know, breaking the law, retaliated, retaliating against workers and um, really, really not very partner friendly behavior uh, before and during the campaign. Why do you think it is that the management has has responded uh, to the initial complaints and to the campaign in the way that it has? Say, Tabitha, do you want to take this one or do you want me to take this one? <laughs> this well, one might get spicy. <laughs> I mean, we both could take it because I'm pretty sure we have equally diverse answers on that. You first, so. please. Oh. First. Okay, fine. Well, I'm not trying to be a cynic about it, but the fact of the day, we've made a record profit in the quarter. I think Starbucks was beating McDonald's as the number one food sale retail. I could be wrong. Fact check me on that, please. But we're up there. Mm-hmm. We're busy. Right. We're making more money than ever. And let's just be classical Marxists about it. The only way to um, profit is from the working class doing labor and when labor get labor is just the easiest thing to squeeze. So they see profit. We see everything going on. You know, mm-hmm. they're not here. I'm, I'm, they're here now. I've seen a lot of the oh, upper bet. management in my stories right. of this last week, but um, haven't seen them for about a year beforehand. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Tab- well, um, I think a lot of the fear, especially coming from, um, you know, the higher ups, especially like the CEO, it comes, I think it comes from a place of fear because they're finally realizing that they're like one person, but this one person is over these thousands, millions of employees, basically. And now all these employees are able to feel empowered to have their voices heard. And I feel like after not having your voice heard for so long and you're, you know, you're just daily troubles, you're not being dealt mm-hmm. with, uh, we're going to have pushback. And um, I think that's a big cause. And I forgot what I was going to say, but yeah, um, people, people break. And I think the workers have finally broken free of the fear of what could be and now want what should be. Mm-hmm. So, how have 
how how has the communication been between yourselves and the larger Starbucks Workers United? How much support have y'all been able to get from, you know, I mean, it, I, I think even some amount of, <laughs> of you know, um, being difficult to reach would be totally understandable as they're organizing thousands, tens of thousands of baristas uh, in what is the largest campaign uh, in 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 the last several decades, but it, it seems to it seems to me that people that baristas on the ground have been very satisfied with how responsive the union is, and I'm wondering about how what your um, experience has been talking to other baristas, talking to other baristas in the South. You know, you mentioned that Knoxville was was kind of a catalyst for y'all in Birmingham in actually thinking about going forward. How has the communication been? Um, and the support been between uh, other baristas, uh, the f- um, some of the uh, union staff and things like that, um, and y'all here in Birmingham. May I take that one, Tabitha? Yeah. Um, I've spoken with uh, Buffalo leadership um, to get the ball rolling in the beginning. Um, they are very busy. They are very overwhelmed. We have two people on the ground who I have been in fairly good communication as well as with our, you know, legal advisors. But most of the on the ground community effort has come from our own customer base, which nice. thank you guys for that. Oh, cat. Um, the local DSA, mm-hmm. our local Amazon and Bamazon workers. Nice. We've had a lot of community support from the UMWA. Um, good. I actually went to go visit them during the Easter egg hunt. They came and did a sit-in with us. Um, the RWDSU, um, even though they're not the main union we've been talking with, they've been very generous enough to open their union hall for us to talk and do some serious logistics work. Um, but as far as Workers United, they've been, I don't go on Twitter, but from what I understand, they've been tweeting things that have happened. So, and I have been in contact with some, some of the people, but most of the on-the-ground community work is coming from people on the ground supporting us from our customer base and from the baristas at large. So that is, and we're really not resentful for that. That isn't a that is not a condemnation for us. they've got a lot. To oh do, yeah, no, so. no, and I and I think that is the I think that is part of the power of the campaign nationally is that they're able to delegate locally a lot of the a lot of the support that is needed in a campaign like this they've been able to delegate really effectively and efficiently a lot of the tasks that maybe uh union staff would handle from headquarters or from the union hall and other campaigns they've been able to effectively delegate um to local community organizations to the baristas themselves um in a really efficient manner and in a way that that seems to make the baristas feel still feel very supported uh, during during the campaign, um, during a campaign in, in which they're facing a lot of backlash from the company. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess I would also just like to say that I, uh, we definitely all support and appreciate all the, the help we received from them. I think it's also good to also recognize all the baristas, whether it be like older baristas or even the newer baristas that have taken time out of their day to also inform and educate people on stuff like this and help separate the truth from the lies that people want you to think will happen. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah, it's a, it might be a little, um, 
might be a little liberal hippy dippy, but I do have to say that it, um, I'm very proud of all the partners there. I, uh, it, it almost makes you believe in that whole, the truth can eventually win even amongst the lies as hard as that is to believe in our current climate, but Mm -hmm. partners have really stood up baristas that I would not have expected to just like have a voice have spoken powerful world words to some very powerful people. And I'm very thankful to be part of that group with them. Yeah, let, let's hey. dig into that. Oh, I'm sorry, Adam? No, I just said, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's really inspiring and just, it's great to hear. Yeah, let's dig into that because y'all have had a few um, anti-union captive audience meetings uh, down in Birmingham, at least two. And y'all had one a day or two ago where it was, was the store closed, actually? Store? Yeah. With a security guard out front. The store was closed with a security guard out front for the entire day, and it was just captive audience meetings. Uh (laughs) What was was that? What were they telling you? What was that like? Tabitha and I had very different um, meetings. Why not you let her speak first? Because hers was one of the spicy ones. I'm going to go take this cat somewhere real fast. (laughs) Yeah, Tabitha, what what was going on in (laughs) in that store? Basically, um, well, there was like this one, this one person, this higher, higher, higher up lady that I'd never really seen before, um, associated or, you know, uh, accompanied by the other DMs and DMs in training. DMs are district managers, by the way. Right. Yeah. And basically the, um, the whole thing, the some of the district managers said something, but most of the meeting revolved around us sort of getting gaslit by this higher, new higher up lady that was just basically just treating us like we were stupid, like we didn't know what we were talking about. And like it caused some of the um the some some of the people there just to you know aggressively have to like speak their minds speak the truth and i mean they kept bringing up these petty things on the company side like well you still get all these or like you know if you get a union you you, you still wouldn't be able to wear fake nails or not wear a hat i mean we know that that's not what we're aiming for that's not mm. like quality of life or you know things that make us safer and you know help us in the future so tabitha whatever. you mean that you're the driving force between you or, or, or that 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 is driving you to challenge a very powerful company it's not that you just want to wear a hat on the job <laughs> like that's not the, the only thing right i feel like these <laughs> Seven billion in profit, one hat. That's all it took. <laughs> right. That yeah. was the spark. <laughs> yes. But, you know, I mean, people don't understand. Like, I mean, for one, I'm not scared of the corporation. Like, for real. I, I don't care. But, like, when you, when, when you have meetings like that and then you have direct answers that basically come out to stuff like that and gaslighting the other employees, then there's, you know... I don't think the disconnect can get any more clear than that, than that, basically. So. May I jump in on that one for a minute? Um, 
for disconnect, I can give you two things on that. One of the other catalysts that has been a building block is obviously Alabama passed a uh, scathingly reactionary anti-trans bill, and Starbucks has a lot of trans partners, mm-hmm. in case you haven't noticed. And one of our partners lost her health care. And when, in my meeting, we brought up that bill, she didn't know about it. She didn't know about it. She said, what law? What are you talking about? That was something that happened. Um, on the a similar subject of disconnect, and a trigger warning for all of you out there, but um, when I mentioned the Ashland, Virginia um, sexual assault case, I just would say go to vice.com and look up the Starbucks sexual assault and how it related to one of my own experiences of essay, the uh, answer I got from that was, well, that wasn't in my district. I don't know anything about that. Mm. <laughs> and that was a, um, cause my, my store manager knew about that story and he mm-hmm. comforted me when he heard about this stuff. And like he, cause we had to do some work for anti-discrimination and whatnot. And I didn't feel comfortable with some of the language and the stuff. And he was like, Hey, write your little note. You did a, Say what you need to feel. But that level of disconnect from someone who's in corporate wasn't in my district. Oof. Oof. And I can't speak for trans partners, whatever my gender identity may be, but not knowing about one of the most reactionary anti-trans bills that just got passed is a uh, harsh, right. <laughs> not <Right>. good, <laughs> we could say. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Tabitha, did you have something that, that you wanted to add to that? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty bad not to know about that because there's more to that than, you know, just workplace safety. That that involves mm-hmm. a whole greater But um, there was one thing that happened on that captive audience meeting day. Um, everybody had these big groups of like four to six people or whatever and Hmm. one one of the basically brand new or newer employees one that i trained i was very lucky to be able to train um and that we were just able to enlighten uh their group was sick all of them were sick Hmm. and i got from a nap that morning to like basically a frantic text you know asking for help because they figured out that they were going to be the only one in their meeting being a new partner being one of yeah you know there 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 are we don't want to identify this partner even though we love her um but she has her own outside of starbucks pressures that make her very vulnerable at this job and it's mm-hmm. a, like we are very happy to have her speaking right. her voice on this because she's got a lot more to lose than i do when that's inspiring to see but point is she was by herself right these three people that she'd never met before yeah. so when we both reached out to you know management and didn't really have anything back about me going to be with her or her moving to another group yeah, that just, that was just the uh that was just the final straw for me that yeah. that, that need to be like as headstrong as possible in that meeting and like 
she would gaslight us, but then I would gaslight her back. And I think she was just so to the fact that I was doing that, that she didn't even know. I mean, like she was just contradicting herself at that point, but it's fine. It's weird. There is a, um, like we were straight up told, don't trust the media. They have a bias. That was kind of weird to hear from a, uh, progressive company that has spoken out multiple times with the, uh, all the stuff going on in our country. It's mm-hmm. um, just strange, you know, just strange. It's that right. authoritarian, mind, you know, it just brings back that authoritarian mindset mm-hmm. of the believing cognitively dissonant things at a different time. It's mm-hmm. and that if I was online or just out in public, you know, this could be something we could like have a screaming argument about. But because these people have the ability to fire without a write up right. on the spot, we have to be seriously tactful in our response to how they treat us. Right, right. How has, um, you know, you, you mentioned that there, there's been some some outspoken support from some workers that you might not would have expected. Um, how do you feel about, and, and I also, if I recall correctly, you your store filed for a union election with a super majority of cards signed. Um, that was before any of the captive audience meetings. How do you feel about your majority going into your election? Um, We're near unanimous. We're that's near awesome. unanimous. We, okay. There is one person who will most likely vote no and we understand why it's not because mm-hmm. of um, it's for a different reason or they might abstain in that case i would know what that would mean and that would be hilarious but i will not give any information on their details right right right. but even people who are middle of the road after the just blatant stuff in that meeting they are furious and they are pro-union now like even more than i or tabitha or any of the other (laughs) members of the org community they they did a better job radicalizing us than we could all those copies of linen (laughs) <laughs> no, just go talk to your corporate people for a day and you'll be you'll be an anarcho-syndicalist in a heartbeat there you go yeah <laughs> a bad boss is is the best organizer is uh, a pretty uh-huh. common saying in the labor movement right. i think <laughs> that that she is amazing like- though to see starbucks continually do this in store after store and cause this backlash you know, mm-hmm. they're moving people y'all's direction with their behavior, the gaslighting, the targeting of people, uh, the just the tone deafness of their communication. It's it's shocking that people who um, are being paid millions of dollars to come up with these strategies. This is their idea. It's it is shocking. Well, some of them got fired. <laughs> Littler got uh, fired with a. I don't remember the many millions they got, but um, yeah. I saw that there. I don't want to speak. Don't want to say any internal information, but I know the company is going through a lot. That's all I'll say. I did see that the uh, general counsel for Starbucks, like the actual, you know, so Littler Mendelson is a union busting law firm that that companies mm-hmm. often contract, but they had Starbucks had an in house general counsel that was recently let go. And given an eight million dollar severance package, wow. eight million dollars for Kevin Johnson got what forty million before he left. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, nice. could you imagine 
getting a one million dollar severance package for sucking ass at your. (laughs) I mean, like your whole job right now during this time as a general counsel at Starbucks is to get keep people from unionizing, and you are so bad at your job that you get fired, and you get an eight million dollar severance package. What is what is the severance for? Uh, baristas that are let go for cause? Uh, uh, like the street? Uh, yeah. That's kind of what I was figuring. Uh, do, they, do they even have any severance packages for if you're let go not for cause, but if you're just laid off, like a reduction in force or anything? Do they even give you a severance in that instance? I think you're able to... Um... I'm actually not sure. I know unemployment being what it is, it's its own nightmare. But as far as Starbucks severance, it was, I think it was national news that Starbucks gave during the uh, pandemic. A, uh, um, you can work and you can see what hours you can. And, you know, props to my store at this point for being able to provide as many hours as it could in the height of the pandemic. But the other one was you can go on unpaid leave for a little bit. And I think the third was here's $800 or no, it was a paycheck or two paychecks, something to that effect. And then we let you go. Mm. But I don't remember all the specifics as for right now. Um, I can only say, look at your, uh, the increase in our houseless population. And that's all I'll say as far as the state of America treating its, um, its working class people. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, uh, bad union-busting lawyers getting an $8 million severance package. And at best, during the pandemic, and potentially mm-hmm. not now at all, but during the pandemic, you were looking at a four to $800 check for unionizing or, or for, for non-unionizing baristas who are let go because there's not enough work for them. Uh, just totally... But if our credit was due, that was a lot more than a lot of people gave, which right. is... Just depressing. (laughs) Depressing. But it was not $8 million. Uh, (laughs) And it's proof that they have the capacity to do these things. If it it was $8 million, I would have been bad long ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know what I would do with $8 million. I I can't even imagine that kind of money. Buy all the cats. <laughs> there you Donate go. it to the union. <laughs> there, Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can tell you the production value on this show would go through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> might actually have real professionals. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, might see a new host even. Somebody. <laughs> oh yeah. Somebody I would be. Would... I would be booted out like immediately. You could get some. Um, you could get some brand management lawyers. You could get. There you know. You get go. your whole corporate office. Then all of a sudden you're going to start getting unionized, and yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> the circle, nah, we got you. Yeah, the circle repeating. Yeah, well, so uh, you know, Kyle, Tabitha, I really appreciate your time. Yes. Um, the do you have any kind of parting words that that, that you would say to folks listening? Um, a, a, anything that you want to make sure that folks know about y'all's uh, you know y'all's campaign down in Birmingham and across the country, and how we can support and you. how we can support, yeah. Do you want to go first, Tabitha, or do you want me? Okay, I'll go. Um, I would say, you know, whatever your politics are, then, you know, I'm sure it can vary. Um, the movement that we have is not some sort of spite movement. You know, whatever spicy thing a barista ever says, we love our job. We love each other. 
And we do love serving you guys out there. So, you know, I think as you said in one of your, when we actually did announce you had an episode about that, you know, don't boycott, um, but don't feel obligated to come to Starbucks if you don't drink. Um, Please just stop by the store, meet us, say hi, you know, get to talk to us for a little bit. You know, we are people and we like to be treated and respected as people. And we want to, you know, meet you find people. So come visit us, um, hang out. Uh, but the main people who need to know that this isn't just a partner movement, it's for the entire community are Starbucks corporate. So if there's any way you can leave reviews, any way you can get in contact with just the local or the higher Starbucks stuff, please do and voice your concerns. You know, there's, there's a pretty chilling, chilling thing that said something like if Starbucks cracked down on the unions that only a few people would change their minds on the company. Hmm. For those of you who it would change your minds, please let your voice be heard and please come say hi to us, you know, and your local partners, you know, we're stressed. We need friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tabitha. Um, I, I definitely agree with all that Kyle said and that like, I hope that, you know, especially partners, you know, in the Southeast and wherever they may be that are seeing us doing what we're doing and the location that we are doing it. I hope that, um, this could enlighten them to, you know, take the initiative as well and, uh, realize that we are bigger than them. So yeah, we are. I was going to say to any partners who are randomly listening to the Valley Labor Report, talk to your partners, come talk to us. Mm. We'll get you set up. There are a lot of us. For what we are partners. Come talk to us. Yeah. Hit yeah. us up. And yeah. we're, uh, uh, sorry, one more question. And obviously, you know, I wouldn't want you to tell me the location, but are there, do you, are you aware of any other uh, Starbucks Workers United campaigns at locations in the state. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. For Quite sure. A few. And I've um, I've been, I, SB Workers United has talked to me about expanding efforts with our store leadership. I know myself being one of the people to help out, but um, yes, partners have reached out. Keep an eye on the state. Awesome. <laughs> Keep an eye out. <laughs> Well, uh, we will certainly do that, and I look forward to having many more unionizing baristas from Alabama on the show. Thank you, uh, yeah. Thanks, Kyle and Tabitha. I appreciate it. Solidarity. Solidarity. Right. Yeah, so um, we don't have just a whole lot left today. It's going to be a kind of shorter overtime, but I did want to um, I did want to uh, mention this before we go, um, that from the Washington Post, the National Labor Relations Board, oh, and also, um, as we're doing this last story, maybe last two stories, um, if you want to call, you want to contribute to the show, you want to give your comment, the phone number is 844-899-TVLR. A lot of times we're like super packed, and so we don't have time to get calls, but we'll definitely, like, as soon as... As soon as you call in, basically, we'll bring you on if you want to call in. So 844-899-TVLR. That is 844-899-8857. So um, from the Washington Post, the National Labor Relations Board asked the U.S. District Court for the Western District of Tennessee to issue an injunction Tuesday 
last Tuesday, that would allow the workers to be reinstated at the Poplar Highlands Coffee Shop in Memphis. Uh, Kathleen McKinney, that's the Poplar Highlands Starbucks Coffee Shop in Memphis. Kathleen McKinney, the NLRB director for the New Orleans region, also said that the company must cease its unlawful conduct immediately so that all Starbucks workers can fully and freely exercise their labor rights. Um, Fantastic. This is fantastic news. Um, They have... So from what I gather, what I am gathering is that... And and this is about the Memphis 7. These are the seven baristas at at a Starbucks that were fired a couple of months ago. We talked to them right after they were fired. You can go back and listen to that interview uh, on our YouTube channel, on on the podcast feed and things like that. Um, But they are... The NLRB is now... seeking an injunction from the district court uh, to get them reinstated. Um, And the American Prospect has has some really good commentary on this, uh, which is that from the Prospect, Section 10J of the NLRA empowers NLRB attorneys to get injunctions when violations of the law have immediate and serious consequences. But get this, Abruzzo appears to be the first general counsel in at least half a century to use that section to keep employers from illegally thwarting organizing campaigns. Half a century, 50 years has gone by according to the American Prospect, since an NLRB general counsel has utilized 10J injunctions. And what is the, what is the value of that? A 10J injunction is basically like a speed run of, uh, uh, or to get you like, so you know how currently right now, they were, ta- they were just talking about uh, the trans healthcare ban in Alabama. Um, there was an injunction placed on that law on parts of that law by the district court. So that is not a ruling on the merits of the thing. It's just saying this law can't go into effect until it's run its course, right? Does that make, am I making sense? It's not a ruling on the, the the injunction is not a ruling on the merits of the law, on the constitutionality of the law. It's just saying we need time, the courts need time to vet this, to get it through the process so we can figure out if this is constitutional or not. Put on pause. Put it on pause. That is what these 10J injunctions do to retaliation, discipline, uh, disciplining, firings, and discrimination against union workers during a union campaign. This is not even necessarily if the injunction, if the court issues an injunction and says they have to reinstate these workers, it could come out, it probably wouldn't because obviously they've been retaliated against, but it could theoretically come out that this isn't, you know, actually no, they were fired with cause and they followed their policy. It wasn't for discrimination against their union, uh, you know, union support or anything like that. But issuing the injunction just puts a pause on this if there's enough information that it's, it's possible that this violates the law because, because why? Because workers there obviously know that retaliation is happening. And if they see retaliation happening and nobody is stepping in to stop it, what does that do? That could theoretically put a, um, it could dampen organizing efforts. It could influence workers illegitimately right. to vote against the union. And so 
These injunctions are so important because the process takes so, so long. We just told you a story a few weeks ago about how in 2022, a ruling finally came through from the NLRB about firings of Philadelphia Starbucks baristas in 2019 that were found to be illegal and Starbucks was made to offer them their job back and, pay, and, and, and give them back pay. Three years went by before a final ruling. And so did that ruling actually help the union campaign at the Philadelphia Starbucks that began in 2019? No, of course not, because the campaign is over. The campaign is dead now. The one at that Philadelphia Starbucks, because the people that were there during the campaign, the organizing committee, they're all gone. Most of them were fired. And resolutions that take three years are not helpful. Justice delayed is justice denied. Yeah. So you have to have it. You have to have it quick. And so you have to utilize these 10J injunctions. And the fact that it's been 50 years that is surprising to me. I would almost, I mean, that's just so shocking. I would almost like to see a fact check on that. But it would not surprise me. I mean, and, and as we've said before, Abruzzo is one of the relatively few bright spots for yes. workers in the Biden administration. Um, you know, we need we need more. Right. We need more use of regulatory power in a way that actually helps people i know Mm -hmm. that's a crazy radical idea that we would actually use the the people's government what is supposed to be we the people uh the government that we fund publicly what if we actually use that to help people uh and what if we enforce the the law right what if we enforce the law not just on poor people not just on minorities but on corporations on the wealthy uh where there was actual accountability that was equitable and where, um, you know, as you said, enforce the law because in some cases there are legal protections, but they're not actually being enforced. They are toothless. Mm-hmm. Um, you have situations where companies and bosses are, you know, they're caught on the carpet, so to speak. But at the end of the day, you know, it's a, it's a toothless consequence. It's a, it's a letter, a sternly right. worded letter. Maybe they have to post, you know, the ULP in in the uh, break room or something. Uh, Really, compared to the consequences that we all face, Mm -hmm. someone who is fired is losing their livelihood. Their family survival is at risk. I mean, they may lose their home. They may lose. uh, They may lose everything. Yeah. And so, you know, as you mentioned with the law. The section there on the injunctions, it's about immediate and severe consequences. You know, a working class person being fired or even being suspended without pay, that is an immediate severe consequence because most mm-hmm. of us are living paycheck to paycheck. Right. Um, so that's, you know, it is a promising thing to see. And, and I want to see more agencies take that approach. Um, and I hope that unions at the national level, at the institutional level, will really go all in on taking advantage of this brief window of opportunity because we don't know how much longer it'll last. Right, right. Yeah, it is... um it, it is a very bright spot in in the Biden administration. Um, there, the 
the some of the political appointees have been very good and very helpful for working people. And and somebody mentioned this in the chat actually, um, and and Kyle mentioned this during our chat that the IWW was one of the first unions to actually try to organize yeah. um, Starbucks. And one of the reasons that it was so difficult for the IWW is because uh, in the NLRB, as Rai Rai said in the chat, the NLRB originally ruled that they could not do store-by-store elections but had to do city-wide elections, which can obviously be, is That's more difficult different. because you've got more people and, and, and because since you have more people, you have to talk to more people, whereas if you're doing store-by-store, store, you have this really kind of insulated community of folks who are shared together. experience day in and day out have a shared experience and and they can do with uh they can organize themselves and then their success begets success right so many of these all of the the starbucks campaigns that have come since buffalo have either cited buffalo as their inspiration or others that came after, you know? I mean, these people were citing Knoxville. Well, we talked to Knoxville, they cited Buffalo, right? So this is, I mean, su success begets success. And what would have happened if we had had a Trump in LRB? And, and the Trump in LRB had ruled against the Buffalo baristas and said, actually, you have to organize every store in Buffalo to win. Well, that would have been a lot more freaking difficult because you can't, you know, you, it would be much more difficult to talk to all those people yeah. and, and organize them. But instead, these people who started the campaign were able to organize themselves in the way that they saw was most beneficial to the campaign, which makes the most sense because obviously, you know, the NLRA is set out to protect worker self-organization. Frankly, the fact that the boss has any say at all in the bargaining unit is illegitimate. Screw the bosses, it doesn't matter. As far as it, I think, uh, I think ethically and, uh, y you know, the boss shouldn't have any say in how workers organize themselves, but I think legally too, the, the fact that, that it has been interpreted to allow bosses to have a say in how their workers organize, is nonsense because the NLRA is set out to protect worker self organization, um, and, and so <laughs> that is what it says. Yeah. Uh, but something just to piggyback on your comments here about the inspirational aspect of this, where you know it's like it catches like wildfire, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and probably my favorite comment from the interview we just had with Kyle and Tabitha was, "Why not us?" Right. Why not us? And I think that's very important, especially those of us who are in the Deep South, who have uh, been surrounded by reactionary and discriminatory politics, mm -hmm. who've been surrounded by anti-union uh, politics and propaganda. You know what? Why not us? We can do this, too. This isn't just for New yes. York folks and California folks. Uh, we can do it, too, down here in Alabama right here in Huntsville, in Birmingham, across the state. Uh, and as I discussed earlier in the show, we have a proud history of doing that. Mm -hmm. A proud history of coming across our differences uh, to build solidarity and build our own power. So I just uh, really, I take a lot of inspiration from what is happening there in Birmingham with Starbucks and, and with the other campaigns across the country it's just it's exciting to see and it's a it's a good time to be in the labor movement right now and Absolutely. We, we just need more of us yeah rai rai said um every store in the chat he said every store in manhattan which was over 
a hundred stores. Could you imagine having to organize a hundred stores at one time as opposed to one? And then after you organize that one, then other people can see that and say, oh, maybe I want to organize my store. And it's so much easier for the boss to get away with some of these Mm -hmm. just obscene tactics that they're trying. Uh, I mean, we see how much Starbucks is getting away with as it is, even with a a pretty good (laughs) NLRB general counsel. So, you know, yeah, you're right. It it would be so much tougher. And so I know we are uh, pretty hard on like electoral type politics, Mm -hmm. uh, but this is a situation where, you know what, it did it did make a difference. Yeah. Uh, And sometimes those what seem like fairly marginal differences in kind of obscure government bureaucracies can make a real material impact on everyday people's lives. Right, right. Um, and we can uh, just, just as we're heading out here, we'll just mention that um, Huntsville, Alabama won the Golden Padlock Award from the investigative reporters and editors from the Missouri School of Journalism. They say that uh, they gave this award to the city of Huntsville, or, or the, the city of Huntsville was one of the people that got the award. The, they gave this award to the city of Huntsville and the Huntsville Police Department for their steadfast refu- r- resolve for their steadfast resolve in refusing to release police body cam footage showing an officer fatally shooting a suicidal man who had called the police on himself. It would take three years, a murder trial, dogged media requests, and a judicial order for the public to see the taxpayer-funded footage. When police arrived at the man's home in 2018, he was sitting in his living room with what... Uh, turned out to be a flare gun against his temple. A young officer entered the house, raised a shotgun, and told the suicidal man to lower the gun from his head. Seconds later, the officer shot the man in the face. The city refused to release the tape, reassuring the public it vindicated the officer. Three years later, after the city devoted $125,000 of public money to the officer's criminal defense, the jury in the murder trial saw the footage and filed a guilty verdict. A judge finally released the footage to reporters in August of 2021. So, that's great. Yeah, the city of Huntsville, you just won uh, another award. But probably not the one you were looking for, but it's one that uh, says a lot about the power structure here in this city. Uh, A city that's growing fast, a city that is trying to build itself a national reputation. I mean, hell, we've got this huge music festival going on this weekend. People coming from all over the country, all over the South. Uh, There are companies relocating here. And so Huntsville's doing a lot of image work, a lot of PR work to put themselves up as something that they're not. And so I appreciate these journalists for issuing this uh, distinction. Not really an award, (laughs) per se. Uh, It's it's, uh, the dishonor that they have earned. They have earned it. That's you, Tear Gas Tommy Battle. That's you, McMurray, police chief. Um, That's on you. Yeah. And we deserve better in this community. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's going to be it. Like I said, it's, it's going to be it's a shorter overtime this week. Uh, but don't forget to 
um, register for labor notes and uh, like and subscribe on the YouTube if you're watching us on the stream. Uh, we do appreciate that. Yeah, very we do much. appreciate your time. Support us on Patreon or on our website tvlr.fm. Get this uh, really cool new hat. And uh, yeah, y'all have a good rest of your weekend. All power to the workers. Solidarity, y'all. Thank you.